everyone. Welcome to the Anti-MLM Podcast. I am And I'm Emma Francine Rose. Brown. Welcome, everyone. So this episode, we are going to talk a lot about my journey. Yay, finally. And the behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> yes. So we do get, I don't know, I think the conversation gets you know, a little heavy at some points because I do talk about my anxiety and some PTSD a little bit and I don't go into a ton of detail, but just in case you guys um, don't want to consume this content right now, go ahead and save it um, because we do talk just a lot about the psychological aspects of what it's like to be in yeah, one of these companies it gets a little sad, I think, or it's it's a little bit heavier than the other ones because of the personal aspect of it. Yeah, but I think it's really important to talk about, and I hope that the overall message that you guys get is positive. You know, if you're struggling in an MLM, there is hope outside of it, and I really want that to be the message that you guys get is that just because we have gone through some terrible things, it doesn't mean that we can't be better and not feel all that shame and guilt. So yeah, yeah. I hope you guys enjoy. And I hope you learn and get the idea that MLMs are really hard <laughs> financially, mentally, all of it on your friendships, on your relationships. Yeah. It's, it's not worth it to join. So if you're on the fence, I hope that you get our message. (laughs) Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring DC, Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Hey, girl. Hey. How's it going? It's going okay. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's getting scary, huh? Oh, yeah. Um, Real scary. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of insane. I was talking to my mom about this, and I don't think that anyone in our generation has experienced anything like this. Yeah. I don't even think in our parents' generation or... Yeah. Well, yeah, I, that's I was talk- My mom... I was talking... Oh, sorry. No, okay. My mom is a little bit older, so she's a boomer. <laughs> but she... I mean, yeah, she was born in World War II. So, yeah, I guess 
she keeps talking about all the things her mom used to say about the war and like potato peels and how people used to dumpster dive for potato peels from the restaurants to make stew or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was talking to um, one of my favorite people in the whole world. He's 89 years old. Mm. And I said, have you ever seen anything like this in your lifetime? And he said, uh, World War Two." He said, you know, it's going to start getting real when they give you a, um, a, like a like a checkbook or whatever, a, a ration book. Because mm-hmm. they had like little kind of like food stamps, I guess, back then yeah. with rations. But yeah, I'm really curious to see how it all plays out and what goes down because it just seems like we have no idea what to expect and I think that's probably what is scariest for everyone right yeah it's so much unknown yeah so much unknown but so I've been um keeping busy because I mean I generally stay at home so this is not a new idea for me to be socially distancing but um it's really hard because you do have to learn how to keep yourself busy because if you just sit and think about things for a long time it's not good so right I've been like doing little projects I reorganized our pantry today so now like we know what we have and where it all is and you know things like that so I just if anyone's looking for things to do try and just keep busy and do something that's a good tip yeah thanks <laughs> maria kondo everybody turn on maria kondo and marie marie kondo your life yes that's basically <laughs> what i'm doing because you can also sell all your shit online and like go on poshmark or offer up or all these things and like you know you can help support your neighbors in this time if you have the money to spend and you're looking for stuff you know I'm sure a lot of that will slow down but we might as well support each other instead of big businesses right Yeah. you know so I don't know it's just it's what I'm trying to do to stay afloat (laughs) so (laughs) yes you know yep so yeah so that's our, our COVID-19 update. I'm sure everyone's probably like so overhearing about it from every corner. Yeah. Well, I think everyone's talking about it, but I think it's also important to talk about it in like, you know, a realistic aspect, you know, like be safe. Don't freak out. Keep busy. Right. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it's a big thing. It's like, I think if we were to ignore it, it you know, it wouldn't be real. yeah you know so Mm -hmm. but we're gonna talk about my LuLaRoe journey yay (laughs) I'm sure I mean you've alluded to to telling about it for the past you know little while so I'm really excited to have you share like your truth with everybody and I'm so proud of you for doing this because I know it's gonna be hard it might get uncomfortable like you know telling your story but I just think it's such a great thing for you to do because honestly it's so hard to find people out there that did it for as long as you that are willing to share their story yeah it's really unfortunate and it it just kind of I think it really goes to show you how brainwashed people are when they leave MLMs because 
they and I say they I mean me too like I'm just learning to get over it but like you feel so much shame and you're taught to feel that shame and when you're inside of these companies when people leave you're taught that those people are haters or they weren't successful because they didn't try hard enough or they weren't good enough or whatever it is and it's like I'm on the outside now and I finally feel good enough and smart enough and all these things and everything that they told me wasn't true I mean it literally it literally feels like I'm leaving a cult I can I am sure that people who have been in cults like probably feel the same way I imagine it's the exact same feeling because it's the exact same tactics that are used so yeah yeah it's just really now that I've now that I know the truth I just I can't be quiet about it that's why the show is in existence because it's like it's just blows my mind that they're these companies are legal and doing these things legally that really ruin people's lives all in the name of making their lives better. Like it's so fucking twisted. Right. We need to do whatever we can. Especially now, because right now is like prime time prey on people that are scared or, you know, may or may have been lost, losing jobs or maybe they're, in uh, their husband was the breadwinner. Now, you know, all of these things that are happening in this country, there is no, it's no coincidence that MLMs are like top, like <laughs> they're out hunting right now for like vulnerable, scared people. And I think now is like the perfect time for you to share this because this is what you are getting yourself into when you agree to join and pay your own money for a company like this. Yeah, that's a really good point. I bet everyone listening has probably seen something on their Facebook, unless you have eliminated all the Huns from your life and done like a big purge. You probably, Oh no, seen... they're coming up in ads. Like, you know, like Facebook ads, there's like the marketing for like, it's crazy. It's everywhere right now. Yeah. I've seen that beach body ad. I've seen it on Reddit. I've seen it myself. You showed it to me. Like that ad is everywhere. It's a cancer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess when you put it like that, it is kind of a really important time because because now is not the time to put your last penny into a pyramid scheme. <laughs> like, it's I promise not... you, it's only going to make things worse. Yeah, you guys, please don't. Please don't do it. Not, not just for the financial aspect. That's, like, a really important one, but just psychologically you will the the chance that it will wreck you is is so huge if you if you feel like you're missing something in your life i promise you that it is not a multi-level marketing company you will not find what you need in there you might think that you did for a while but it's just just don't do it please if you only listen this far, just please don't do it. <laughs> oh. So yeah, should we start? Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I did some research on my numbers. 
I got a question sent in from our friend Dave Vaughn, who is the one who wrote us up in his anti MLM podcast list, like must listen list, you know, that we talked Mm -hmm. about. Yes. Um, So, yeah. So he sent in um, a tweet with a few different questions in it. Um, And then I looked up some of my numbers, which I had never actually done before in this way. So I thought that was kind of interesting, just like some interesting tidbits that would Mm. be fun to talk about. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of all the research I did because I figured talking about that would probably take a long time and you probably have some questions. So I didn't prepare too much. And also I just wanted to have a few talking points and then try and keep it natural. So, but you know, I'm ready to answer anything, I think. And if not, then I will, I will tell you. (laughs) And also I think we're going to do an update to this. So if anybody has any questions that were not covered, we're probably going to talk about things that happened to you after as well. Right. Oh yeah. So if you have any questions that you want to know, or you have to ask her, she's like super open to, you know, filling in the blank. So just keep that in mind when you have, when you're listening to this, because. Yeah. If you have questions, jot them down and then send us an email, anti MLM pod at gmail.com. Um, I mean, <clears throat> look, if we're all going to be quarantined and self-isolating and if all of our jobs get closed down, then I mean, I don't know about you, but we can just podcast all the time. <laughs> so I'm down to like, pretty much. there's so many companies, there's so much like doing this research would be a great distraction, except for it might, I might need to spice it up with some trashy reality TV because I don't want it to be too dark because MLMs really are just, yeah, it it's kind of like, yeah. when you think about how many lives are ruining, you know? Right. 100%. Yeah. So that's my quarantine plan is just to talk as much about this as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Another good idea. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we we got ideas. (laughs) Um, Okay. So where should we start? Well, we already talked about like, you know, how the brainwashing happened in one of our previous episodes. So if you didn't listen to that, I would go back and listen to how yeah. we how LuLaRoe evolved for us in our lives. But I kind of want to start with like just the basics, like what it took to get you started, how much money you had to put in. Um, okay, that sounds good. Things um, like that. Okay, so when I onboarded in the spring of 2017, the on the smallest onboarding package was around 5,000. It was like 4,900 something. And that included a set list of styles that they sent you. And then it didn't include any leggings. Basically what they did was they picked like whatever they thought was their most popular styles so that you could have a good start to your business. You would have what's popular. But not the leggings? But not the leggings, which... But are the leggings, like, the most popular, like, what LuLaRoe is known for? Yeah, that actually is a really good point. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think that their point was that they wanted to make sure that everyone knew that we weren't just a leggings company, that there was also a huge variety of 
styles basically that you could just replace your entire wardrobe with LuLaRoe because they had so many different styles that you know supposedly so you couldn't pick right you couldn't say like I live in Florida it gets really hot there so I don't need a lot of sweater pieces I would only like t-shirts right exactly yeah so it just came as a set if you would get the long sleeve cardigans and the same dresses and whatever and, and no leggings <laughs> right and no leggings <laughs> that's shocking to me I did not know that yeah and the leggings were at, I mean the leggings are the lowest price point piece besides like kids stuff but so like, easiest to sell right right that's why they're easier to sell because they're like kind of like an intro piece everyone kind of falls in love with the leggings and that's why they sorry I had to burp um <laughs> <laughs> That's why that's they, staying in. <laughs> I'm um I, I have my kombucha. I'm drinking my kombucha. So it got some bubblies. That's so good though. <laughs> um, <laughs> this uh, is the real deal, everybody. It's the real deal. I'm um I love kombucha, you guys. I stopped drinking coffee, so that's what I replaced. Um, like my caffeine beverage because it has less caffeine. So if anyone has problems with anxiety. And you want to lower your caffeine, you know, just think about it. Um, so I, what were we talking about? Was it, oh, the, um, the onboarding package. Yeah. So the leggings, um, if you wanted to add it on, I think it was like an extra $800, maybe, maybe less than that, but it was a huge add on. And I don't remember how many leggings you got, but, um, this oh and because the leggings were so popular that's why they would tell us to give out leggings to pretty much anyone we met with our business card so that way people would fall in love with the leggings and then get a hold of you and then come and shop and fall in love with all the different styles etc so they're like here's like an $800 package full of leggings that you have to add on to your almost $5,000 startup fee, but give them away for free. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. I also <laughs> want to point out that just, you know, a side note from an outsider, when you're calling yourself a business owner, you have no control over your product, right? Like color, uh, p- patterns, even styles at that point for the first onboarding part, which to me is like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's super frustrating. And then if anyone listening is not familiar with LuLaRoe, when you order your pieces, you don't get to pick the prints or designs or even solids or patterns. You just place an order for a style and a size. And then in the warehouse, they have a curation system, which is new so it has gotten better but before it was basically just luck of the draw so when you got your boxes in it was a thrill like you literally would get a high from opening these boxes because hopefully you were hoping hoping on everything that there was something in this box that you could sell Oh my gosh. Like I was going to get my next question. So like what percentage of items do you think were sellable in the box? Cause I like, it is a joke, but there are some hideous, hideous patterns. It's almost like, I feel like they're playing a prank on everyone that buys their stuff. Like, Hey, 
you think we can get somebody to wear something so stupid? Okay, let's try it. And yeah. then they ma- then they make print like that. So when I joined, the the chief design I don't remember his title, but the guy who was in charge of everything came from some sort of like high fashion background, I believe. I we can go into this more in depth later, maybe, because um, I don't know the facts off the top of my head, and I don't want to say anything wrong. But um, he was like revered as like a god in the Lularoe community. Community, like when he came on stage, he would be dressed in all black with like some shiny diamond shoes or something, and then Johnny Cash Man in Black would play. <laughs> oh my god. And, like, everyone would, like, cheer. And it was, like, I mean, I have to agree that the designs that were there when he was in charge are just insane. And I don't know how they sold so much of it. But, I mean, I do want to believe that he is a good creative, like, person. Like, I, I... I don't know if that's just me still being indoctrinated, but like I did like him as a designer. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It's hard for me to work through it because <laughs> he went on. He was the guy that in one of the lawsuits was the one who spilled the beans about Mark saying, I want to fuck off to the Bahamas with everyone's hundred million dollars and screw you guys or whatever. Have you heard that story? No. Oh my god. Okay. So that's a <laughs> um god, there's so many stories. So this was a guy that spilled the beans on that in that lawsuit. And so he since left the company and had a new line that I think might be out of business by now. I'm not sure. So I don't know. I guess I don't really can't pass judgment on the stuff he came out with was crap, I guess. So I don't know why I'm trying to defend him. <laughs> You're talking about the guy that made the comment or the designer? The designer. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I mean, there was nothing. Everything was weird. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I, it, most of it was like, in my opinion, was like not very fashionable with the times. It, it was weird. It was it was about being original, and so it wasn't. Nothing was very like popular necessarily. Like it didn't like some of, most of it didn't go on trend. I would say. Would you agree or disagree? I don't know. Um, yeah, I think especially back then it was more about being unique and finding right. something that spoke to you. And who cares what anyone else says? You know because. I mean, I was definitely into the, like, kitschier prints. Like, I liked the weird prints. Yeah. I mean, okay, so, like, I have stuff in my closet still. So, I'm not trying to be judgy. But most of the stuff, like, oh, what's that teacher's name that the Magic School Bus? Oh, yeah. Most of it was like that. It was, like, childish prints or, like, you know, like, character or, you know. Yeah. It was, like, wearing oversized charactery clothing or like you know yeah and the clothing was definitely designed in a way to like fit every body type but it's really hard to do that 
without specializing in one or the other. You know what I mean? Like the same cut is not going to look great on everybody. Right. All the time, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the sizes go extra, extra small to three XL, but the sizing is like so inconsistent. That was one of the things that made it really, really hard. So hard. Especially towards the end over the last couple years, because the leggings started to change sizing, like because of the lawsuit with their first manufacturer, they had to get new manufacturers. So we had a, an inventory drought for, I, I mean, months, if not over a year like where we couldn't order inventory because it wasn't in stock, but we were still expected to make sales. Like I had to, because at this point, this was my full-time job. So then comes takeovers, which is like a whole thing. I guess we can get into that now if you, if that, if you're interested. Okay. Wait. So, so you bought the package for $5,000. You didn't buy the leggings. And then how long did you do? So then you start, do you get like a internet, like, do they teach you how to do all the, like how to set up a Facebook and like how to use their like eight and like processing they Like you get any training or anything from that or? Yeah. Okay. So let's get into that. So when I got my onboarding package was right before the convention So I didn't get set up right away to like, I didn't like get my packages and then go live the next day and start selling them. I kind of sat on things. I got them set up. Um, And this is a part that we didn't go over before, but not only was it $5,000 to buy the inventory, but I had to buy clothing racks, uh, a Dymo printer to print my labels Then there's, like, subscriptions that you have to sign up to for, like, stamps.com and just all sorts of added monthly and big one-time expenses just so that you could get your business set up. You know, packing supplies, thank you cards. All, like, the camera and lighting and stuff like that was all stuff you owned? Oh, yeah, all that, too. I totally forgot about all that stuff. Um, umbrella lights, backdrops, hangers. Wow. I mean, yeah. Did you have to buy any subscriptions for like their uh, credit card processing or anything like that? So we didn't have to pay like a subscription, but we did have to sign a contract with a credit card, like their merchant company or whatever. So we did get charged processing fees like quite a, quite a bit of processing fees. Oh, wow. Um, and then to get money off of our, off of our card, it's a dollar. You get charged a dollar to transfer to your bank and you get charged two fifty from the merchant, the LuLaRoe merchant to use an ATM plus whatever the ATM charges you. So to get money off of my card, it cost me $5 and 50 cents. <laughs> and I was, oh my God. 
Jesus. I was so broke that I would have to get money off of the card multiple times per day sometimes because I was waiting for people to pay invoices and like had to pay one thing. So I had to get money out and then someone else would pay and I would have to like get gas or something. So I would have to do it again. Oh my gosh. So you spend like 10 bucks in a day. Yeah. Yeah. Just on fees. Wow. And that's not including the processing fees, the shipping, all sorts of stuff. I mean, I don't know how I lasted for so long (laughs) with LuLaRoe as my only income. I don't know. Oh, man. I mean, my my life is a financial disaster. So that's, I mean, that's how it happened. (laughs) But, you know, I don't know how it took me so long to get to my breaking point. I really fucking held it together for a little while there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you started the, so you bought your package, you bought all the things that you needed to start and you have no idea how much like startup cost was like completely. Right. I mean, I did. They, they weren't there. They weren't trying to hide the fact that this was going to be expensive, but I had gotten a sum of money. So I, this was like the first <clears throat> This was like the first time in my life where I wasn't worried about money. Like I had money in my bank account and like, just a reminder, I was not self aware or like smart about anything. And I take total responsibility for that. But like, I was not thinking about savings or my future or whatever. I just was like, holy shit, I've got some money. I'm finally doing this thing that I want to do. I'm going to make it big in LuLaRoe so it's not gonna matter if I spend all my money right now because I'm gonna make it big because I have what it takes like I have a good personality I think people would join my group and buy shit from me so like I wasn't lacking the confidence I just the business model isn't set for you to actually succeed so let me go into your question about the trainings. So I went to convention before I started selling so I could soak in all the information and like, you know, feel like I was part of the whatever. So then I came home and I was on fire to start my business and you can get trainings when you're, when you, when you pay to join immediately, you're added to all of these Facebook groups for like your team and your mentors team and your trainers team. And there's like all these different trainers and your uplines and you can join their teams and watch their Facebook trainings. And like every week they would have trainings on different things And then you could go back in the group and watch different trainings on how to go live or how to ship or whatever. There, there are trainings out there, but you, you have to find them and they're all done by people who are not actually trained by anybody, but just have teams underneath them. So, like, LuLaRoe didn't hire, like, a training person. It's just, like, random consultants that have had success, and they're like, this is how I did it. Yep, exactly. So, that just further got in your head that, like, well, this person has done this, and this is exactly how they did it. So, if I do those same things, 
that should work for me. Wow. Yeah. So there's trainings out there, but they're not, I mean, there are some home office training tools. Like, I'm not going to say there's not anything, but a lot of the stuff that home office teaches is a lot about home-based business and like working in your community. And from the very beginning, I was very adamant that I just wanted to do online sales and I wanted to have a Facebook group because I didn't want to sell to my friends and I didn't want to, I'm an introvert and I didn't want to have to go out and network because networking is like the yuck. I don't, I don't ever want to network. (laughs) I understand it's, it's importance now as an adult and I have a different feeling on it now, but like before I was like, no, networking is not my jam. Well, I think with that is like, you're not like to me, like networking in like a real business sense is like finding like-minded people in the same industry as you. Mm -hmm. Networking in the MLM is like finding people that you can sell a lifestyle to which when your lifestyle is not what it's supposed to be it's like you're lying and you know it so it's like a different type of networking you're trying to find people that want to buy your stuff right which most of it did you think was cute like when you were trying to when people like like were you pushing things that you didn't necessarily like like (laughs) on people or (sighs) It's, I mean, with LuLaRoe, it's, it's weird because I don't feel like I was necessarily pushing things. I mean, when I went live and would describe things, you could probably tell if I didn't totally love it, but I would like always try and come up with like a fun way to describe something, you know, like you're not going to come out and say, this looks like a piece of shit, you know, but you might, I don't, I don't even know. There were like retailers would have to come up with like their own crazy ideas of what a print was. And oftentimes you would see posts in Facebook groups of like, do you guys know what the fuck this is? Can someone please tell me what is on this pair of leggings so I can sell them to someone? (laughs) There was like these beta fish ones that could also look like fireworks. So you'd be like, Oh yeah. Who who has fish at home? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Or like I, my favorites are when when it would be like um, I like have this like distinct memory in my head of it was like a what's that that cowboy bandana material it like has like the eyelet or you know what I'm talking about uh, paisley Pais- it, would, it was like paisley with like floral on top and stripes inside like and you'd be like <laughs> ooh this is like a three pattern combo it has paisley paisley so in right now stripes too. <laughs> Stripes huh? make you look skinny. Like, you know, you're just it's like, but why do we need all three of those in a shirt? And you would like love my favorite thing was tuning into your things and listening to you, you describe like the color is emerald. Oh my gosh, I love an and a pop of emerald in this shirt. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Some of it was like I don't know, like like I'm in my head sometimes I was I'm I I was wondering because I couldn't tell whether you liked it or not. I thought you thought literally thought everything you were selling was cute. I mean, a lot of times I did. Like, I really did like the clothes. I, I, I bought into this hard. 
like so I was in it I I I don't feel like I was purposefully selling terrible clothing or like you know and I think it's important to remember that like that's why I like say that I don't hate the other Huns you know for me anti-MLM isn't about picking on people who are selling these things because I I know that they might just be fucking brainwashed, you know, and it's really hard to tell if everyone, if there's people who are like actually have malicious intent, because I'm sure that there are some of those. I, I'm not saying everyone's good, but I'm just saying that there are probably a lot of people who just weren't at a hard time in their life and I don't know, just got brainwashed like I did. Right. It's so it's, it, I don't know. It's just so hard to distinguish because I still have a lot of friends in the community and I consider them real friends. And I just, I'm not doing this podcast to try and alienate people. I just think it's really important, you know, like, so I don't know. Yeah. Were you ever encouraged to try to recruit members? Because it doesn't seem like, it seems like the way that LuLaRoe gets you is they get you to buy their product. Even if you don't have a customer and you're not selling it, they just want you to keep buying more and more and more product. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like they're as heavy on like the recruiting side. Like you should join my team if you want to sell clothing too. Like you don't hear that as often. So what's the story on that? I think that the reason that people don't do it as much in LuLaRoe is because you can actually build a successful business without a downline like I know a lot of people personally who I have met like in real life who were selling 50,000 a month 25,000 a month in retail sales so I mean that's 10k in in profit probably a month that's a shit ton of money right yeah so like these are people who I know personally and see in my community and at LuLaRoe events who are doing that and that it is not including their their downline because I know that they also had downlines and were getting commission on top of all that but so I think a lot of people go into LuLaRoe because it does seem like it's possible to sell enough to make the money you've always dreamed of without building a downline. So a lot of people just don't try to build a team. So that's not to say like my mentor is the mentor that is known for recruiting. So within my team, there were lots of challenges. Like they'll post a challenge, you know, for the month of February, share the opportunity five times in person once a week online and then I don't know reach out to an old friend or something and then if you complete the challenge in February you'll be put into a drawing to win something like a coach something wristlet or gift cards or whatever so if you wanted to try and win something you could share the opportunity and then say okay I did it or whatever so like I did it a few times because I went in not wanting to build a team, but when I got 
deeper into it. I did want to build a team, but mostly because like we mentioned before in the previous episode, like I was looking to be seen. I just wanted to be, I wanted to feel important. I thought that what I thought that what I was looking for was recognition. And I wanted to be a person that did the trainings on Facebook. I wanted to be a leader because I've always been a leader in all of my jobs. I just think I am, you know, a good leader. Like that's okay to think that about myself, you know, but I mean, you know, you worked with me. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, I don't know. I was a mess back then, but anyways, I just well, wanted yeah, you were to a leader, like at our job. I remember when I first met you, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to make sure that I do my job really well because she's watching. <laughs> and I didn't even really, I was like double check. Cause that's how you like carried yourself in that place. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I am pretty confident in like my leadership abilities and I wanted to be that within LuLaRoe, but I just didn't have, cause I didn't have any sales background. I mean, as much sales as you need to work in retail or the service industry, like I didn't have like any jobs that were based on commission before I started. So this was like a brand new world to me. And I really didn't know, you know, how to sell and especially not how to sell myself as someone to sign up under, you know, so I mostly avoided it. Right. Okay, so I just have like a little <laughs> a little <laughs> a little question. Please. I don't know. This I'm gonna try to word this as like eloquently or you know, not come off like a bitch. But like when you started this episode you said I recommend not doing it. Like please don't do it. It's not gonna help you, you're gonna struggle. But then you just said that people can sell ten thousand dollars a month. So like what's the like Obviously, you weren't successful at it, but you say some people are. So if the company is structured to not make you be successful, how come it and it doesn't seem like it's set up to like recruit and build off of other people like legitimately some people are selling what's so what's what is it then? You know, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, so I think that there's a lot going on behind the scenes that even I don't know because I wasn't high up. I didn't really have access. I mean, I did have access. I, I do live close to home office and attended events and, you know, met a lot of other consultants. I would go to trainings and things like that because, you know, this was my full-time job. I was trying to do whatever it took to make it work. Mm -hmm. So I, I think like, for instance, at one training, the people, there was this like couple or I don't remember. I don't remember anybody's names, but, and I probably wouldn't say them even if I did, but there was someone who did a training and they were talking about their sales. And I think that they had sold like 100000 one month. But then they said that they had spent maybe 60000 on Facebook ads. Or something ridiculous. I don't know the exact numbers. But it was something that like my jaw dropped. Like they spent so much on Facebook ads just to get that amount of traffic to get that sales. 
So I can't imagine that they were really making a ton of profit. So when I talk about retail sales and like knowing that other people were having those retail sales, I don't know what their actual profits were. So I guess that's important to kind of notate because retailers are um, rec- like it's highly suggested to give a lot away especially to attract buyers to your group because if there's 30,000 other people and everyone and their mama is selling LuLaRoe, how are you going to pick who you shop with? Especially now, oh gosh, so much has changed over the years. You can stop me at any point if I'm like trailing off too much or you want to ask another question, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, but now... So before when I started, one of the really big things that drew me in and made me think that this could actually work is that the number of prints that they send out was really limited. So if they got a certain textile in for leggings, they would only make 2,500 to 5,000 of that print in the leggings. So... At the time, there were like 80,000, 100,000, maybe plus retailers. So everyone was getting different stuff. And that's why I think the the uglier stuff sold. Because if it was the cutest thing next to all the ugly stuff, and you might not find it again, then you were going to buy it. You know, so it was a lot of scarcity drove sales, I think, in the beginning. And now, I mean... It's gone so far that there are groups made for stock photos. So like if you are a busy mom or whatever your situation is and you can't take pictures, you can just take someone else's pictures and use them as your pictures because there's so many of the same prints being sent out to everyone. But you have to go in and like find that. what pieces you have, what size, and the, st- and the color and print of them, and then you can use those pictures? Yeah. So, like, yep, I would just join a stock photo group, and then if I got, like, a large Irma in a certain size, I would just go find that picture. And if I got that large Irma in, like, or if I got that Irma in, like, every size, I would just take that one photo and post it in every single size. So, like... That was a big problem because print placement isn't the same. So people, some people are particular about print placement because like you could have like weird things like. Like you don't want like a bird on your boob or something, you know, like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So people are using stock photos now and sharing inventory like crazy and so someone's buying something thinking that that's what it's going to look like, but they get it and it's completely different because it was just a stock photo. And a lot of times these retailers aren't even opening the packages to send stuff out. Mm. Wow. I think that's yeah, a good so segue pretty- into the part about, okay, so you were doing, you bought the package, you started selling, then you quit your full-time job. Or you're, you quit your, like, money-earning job to do LuLaRoe full-time. Yeah. And then you were struggling, right? You couldn't sell. You couldn't make money. So if you're not selling the product, you have to buy 
you have to keep buying product because you can't keep the same stuff on the on your website if it's not selling, right? Right. So you have to buy more product. Yeah. Which then makes like that's how you get in the hole. Is that is that how you started struggling really bad and weren't able to buy more product? Yeah, so for a long time I did pretty okay. Like I was averaging 4,000 to 5,000 a month in retail sales. So I was I was replacing my server income for a while. Like I was probably making around 2,000 a month. Okay. But but you know, I, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying like for a little while I did okay. I did have, you know, a few really good customers who would spend a lot of money with me. And I was in a lot of like multi-groups that were pretty good. And I was discounting stuff because Can I didn't you explain what a multi-group so, is. Um, a multi-group is a Facebook group that is designed to sell LuLaRoe and basically a bunch of retailers are in it and a bunch of customers are in it. And so it was, it's a way to, like, draw other customers that aren't just on your profile. It's, like, kind of sharing customers in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, sharing customers. So you would post an ad in your VIP Facebook group saying, I'm going to be partying with so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And then don't miss out. Come find your unicorn. Ah, and then you – so you would get customers from all different groups. And there were – I mean, I talked a little bit about the network of Facebook groups, but it it's really extensive. So, like, yeah. there's Facebook groups to just post ads for these multi-groups. Because when you're hunting for a piece of LuLaRoe, you will join as many groups as you need to. So, there's, like, a network of Facebook groups to make that happen. And that's basically how multi-groups would come into play so some of these multi-groups especially the ones that are really popular right now still sell like I want to say they hit a million dollars in sales last year like a a one particular group or what do you mean Uh, yeah so oh man god there's so much to talk about so there's a, a a group of multis that is very popular right now and Basically, people, the people who run these multi-groups can make money off of it because to join these multi-groups, most of the time you have to pay to post. You have to pay the consultant? Yeah. So there are usually other consultants who run the group, but it could be, there are some people who run groups who aren't consultants who are just basically professional sale organizers like they're professional party professional mlm party hosters so they just have like what <laughs> like <laughs> are they getting paid by LuLaRoe or are they just no, like they are making their niche. they are making a fuck ton of money by charging consultants and having a good network of sales so like if you run a popular multi right now I mean, so what, how much did you have to pay 
to join one of so, these. Like, give me a, one usually example. Usually $10, but sometimes up to $25. They're one of the groups that's really popular. If you buy a monthly ticket, it's like 650 to $700 to set for a month for one month to sell in all of their groups. But a lot of people who do pay that and have the correct size inventory to sell to those groups, they do cruise qualify, which means they're selling around 12,000 a month. So um, these people, so like, so you'll say how many people would be in a group? Oh, I mean, these shopping groups have like 50,000 people in them. Oh my gosh. So they get $10 from 50,000, like oh, 10 low bottom. No, no, no. from- sorry. The, the shopping groups with the, um, the shopping groups with the customers in them have like 50,000 people. The consultant groups, they're making a lot of money because the consultant groups probably have between two and 3,000 people in them. And two thousand three consultants, like two, two yeah, two thousand to three thousand consultants, and not all of those are active. But like, let's say, let's say for a monthly spot, there was one recently, a hundred and fifty dollars for a monthly spot, and I think that they had thirty spots, so that's forty five hundred dollars. And you have to pay that monthly. Yeah, if you want to sign up for the monthly spot. But, like, it's so intense. <laughs> like, there's 24-hour parties. There's three-day parties. There's month-long hall passes. There's, I mean, it's... And Little Row doesn't, like, they don't... How do they let somebody profit off of their business and they don't, like... They don't manage monitor that or like tell you like that's crazy no they don't as far as I know like they're aware of these groups but they don't unless the groups are doing something that is against PNP which is policies and procedures then they're almost encouraged like the people who run these groups are exalted within the company because they're such amazing boss babes who are helping other women get their sales up like it like it is a a community of women who are like you know go 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 but it's just that's the thing it's like non-fucking-stop it's non-stop like to these parties you're supposed to post every 30 minutes wow all day Yeah. yeah And it's, like, it's all based on the Facebook algorithm. So, like, if Facebook Facebook updates on Tuesdays, so if Facebook has a glitch or whatever, you're fucked for the day. And if you normally sell, you know, $600 on Tuesday and this Tuesday, you know, pictures aren't posting or being sent, then you got to fucking pivot real fast. Like, you do (laughs) – you have to learn how to be – creative as far as you know if we're going to call them businesses I know they're not small businesses because you don't have control over anything but like you really do have to like fucking think on your feet because there's literally nothing guaranteed and so like because I was used to that sort of environment I really thought that I was thriving in it 
because like that's what I knew like yeah so now now I have my CPTSD under control (laughs) much better (laughs) but like back then it was just like trigger after trigger after trigger and like it was really bad for my mental health and like I didn't even know that because I didn't understand anything about the bigger picture so yeah so at what point um because for a while there you couldn't buy new inventory right oh yeah okay so let's get back on track with that so I was doing okay for a little while and then in the fall of 2018 yeah, it must have been 2018. In the fall of 2018, we started a kitchen remodel that was like not chosen. Like we had damage in the house and we had to like undergo a six month remodel. And when that started, I was really desperate for cash. And I don't remember exactly why, but I had this, I had like some vendor events, which fuck, that can be a whole nother show. They, I hated vendor events, but I was really into like pushing myself outside of my comfort zone at that time. So I was like doing all these vendor events and I needed more inventory. So I ended up overdrawing my bank account by almost a thousand dollars to buy inventory Oh my gosh. Thinking that because at this time was when they were starting to kind of like put out some cuter prints. So the stuff that I saw coming out of the warehouse had been really good and selling really quickly. So I was like, a side note, just by the way, I also have a gambling problem. So like I don't gamble. What? Yeah. So like I don't gamble anymore, but like this, it's like runs in my family and like I used to gamble a lot um so yeah so that was another part of the reason why I loved LuLaRoe because I could gamble my money on inventory oh my gosh that feeds your like ooh, what am I gonna get yeah exactly so it just I I it was really a perfect storm like (laughs) like that's why I am so like think it's so important to share this and like be honest about it because there's so many different things that like you get addicted to and just LuLaRoe is another one of my addictions. And so I, I, I literally convinced myself and I had a really good friend of mine who said, this is a really stupid idea. You shouldn't fucking do this. And I was like, I know that I can get that money back before the overdraft hits because I can sell the shit out of whatever I get. And of course, yeah. And how come I wasn't told about this? Like, where was I when all this was going on? No, I mean, I, I, it just, you don't, who the fuck, who the fuck would do that? Like, I knew I was insane, but like, I mean, that's why addiction is so bad is because you don't talk about it, you know? So like, this was just this huge gamble that I thought that I could cover, but I couldn't. So I actually never after that point, I never, like, that, I guess that was kind of, like, my rock bottom. I lost that bank account. My bank account was overdrawn for, like, 
four months before they, or six months or something before they finally shut down the bank account. And I still owe that money. <laughs> My life is a mess. Um, but yeah, so after that, I couldn't buy more inventory because I just literally didn't have any money. And any money that I had had to cover either my overdraft or like my bills. So, yeah. So you tried to use your ATM card like a credit card? Yeah, basically, if you, I, I did it like an ACH, like a bank draft. Like instead of, I didn't have money on my LuLaRoe card. So if I paid with my bank, it would, it would process and they would ship it without having the funds oh I guess it's important to note that because I do live so close to LuLaRoe that like if I ordered if I ordered I would get my stuff the next day so like it was like a really quick turnaround so like I was hoping to buy that and sell it within a day or two because previous to this has that been happening to you where you get a full box and you sell the whole box out within a day in the whole time you were in Lulura? No, I mean, I definitely never sold an entire box. Wow. But the prints were so good. And I, they're, I mean, they weren't even. I mean, I'm looking back and I mean, obviously. This is this during the American, or this is during the Black Collection, right? Is that what it was? No. Or this what, is, what was what was coming out that was so good? It Just mainline stuff. They were, they, they had a new manufacturer and they were putting out like, actually kind of cute prints like stuff that you could find at like target you know like more Mm. more normal more normal yeah like it was like holy shit their their clothes are actually wearable now i think i could get people to buy these and like i remember i did at least two of the vendor events that i did like with this inventory i sold literally zero so i went and set up and took all the stuff and broke it down and set it up and broke it down and set it up and I fucking didn't sell anything. Plus, I had to pay for the vendor spot. You didn't sell anything? No, nothing. Not one thing. <gasps> Twice. Okay. I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out really fast. <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay, so earlier we were talking and you said that there was nothing that you 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 stood by every single product. Now you're saying that the clothes were people things that people, and I quote, would actually wear. I mean, so did you like it or did you not like it? <laughs> well, uh, that's the thing is that at the time I did like it. But then now, now looking back, do you like it? No, I'm getting rid of all. I, I kept two of my dresses because I really like them. Like I wore them a lot. And then I kept one top just because it looks like a normal top. But I am getting rid of everything. So, I mean... I don't know. I, I don't want to like be pro. I don't want to like say that they're okay and have people go support the companies. You know what I mean? So like, it's hard to say like, but from a consultant side, no, I don't think the quality is there, I guess. I'm really, I mean, can you tell that I'm, I don't know, like I'm having a hard time with it, you know? Yeah, I feel like you're, like, trying – I don't know. It still seems like you're still – 
I don't know if I, I don't know if you genuinely like. It seems like you could jump back in at any minute. No, you know? oh my god, no. like you're like oh. I really like the clothing. You can make lots of money, and it's like, well, wait, is that really the case? Like, we got to get to the, you know, right? No, I don't know. That's I how mean, it's kind of. Com- it's like you're put. You're kind of in a sense like, not necessarily. Maybe you are contradicting yourself. I'm trying to. I'm trying to use euphemisms here, but no, no, you're no, saying no. things, you know. And I just want to cl- clarify because I don't want somebody to listen and go, well, wait, she said that. Well, now I can buy this because it's actually going to sell or before, you know? No, 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 no. Yeah, I I think I for sure don't want anyone to think that I'm, like, trying to be apologetic for it. I'm just trying to work out, like, my own feelings. Like, because I'm being authentic about, like, I did used to love them. I mean, do I think that they're, like, the worst clothing you could buy? No, but they I do they I do I think they're overpriced yes do I think that there are a lot of quality issues as far as like the manufacturing goes and like how many um damaged items are sent to consultants and to customers and like on and on and on I mean there's a big problem I don't think people should buy the clothes I want to be very clear about that you should not you should not try to sign up like when I say I saw people making money or that I was making money, it's just because, I mean, I was, you know, like that fact isn't going to go away. Like, but it, I did not, I did not experience any financial gain. I was able to scooch along for a little bit, (laughs) but it wasn't. I think the problem is like that, like you brought up that you, you know, you're not accounting for the other things that you pay for in a business. And when you have no control over the product, you have no control over the quality control, you have no control over the styles, yeah. you're very limited. It's not a successful business idea in some senses. Like, yeah, you and you have to keep putting your own money out there when you're not selling. It's like you're going to if you're at a restaurant, if, if you own a restaurant and you continuously buy food, but you're not selling food and the food you have in your fridge is going bad, but you continuously buy more and more food to keep your kitchen stocks but you're not selling anything eventually you're going to go under right so some businesses try to stay stay afloat so the concept of like if you are an actual business owner and i want to open a store and i'm gonna open my own store i'm gonna go to la and i'm gonna go find wholesale clothing but it's gonna be my styles i pick out i can pick out the colors i can pick out you know all of that right so you might have sold stuff and you might have stayed afloat, but the whole concept as a whole is you are the customer. Oh. Because you're the one who's holding the inventory and you're sitting on top. So those people that are selling $100,000 worth of clothing, like actually how much inventory do they have? Do they have their own warehouse in the back that literally they're picking pieces out from? I think that point is what we need to get across. That I, One of the examples... One of the examples, oh, sorry, what was that? No, I was just going to say that I 100% agree with you. And that was one of the things at the end that made me really just like, because like for the past year or so, I've been not active, but like still wanting to be a part of it. Like I just literally had no money, so I could not buy inventory. And then I, I used other means to like keep my group active and try and make money. But I got worn out on that. And like, I just really stopped because of my mental health so like I just have been watching and like it's just fucking sick because the the cus the consultants are the customers like 100 million percent 
LuLaRoe does anything they can to get you to buy as much as possible. So the people who are selling that much, like I know someone who has 8,000 pieces of inventory. And like, just to put that into perspective, the onboarding package was 280 pieces. Oh, wow. So a lot of people have like 20 to 40 to 50 to $100,000 worth of inventory. Yeah. Like that one girl. So I want to talk about... (laughs) I want to talk about, can we talk about a common experience we shared in LuLaRoe really fast? Because this is how, this is one of your sideways of trying to make a dollar when you couldn't afford, I think it was right around the time you couldn't afford uh, inventory. When we went to that one lady's house, remember when I went to one of your um, lives that when you like take over? Yes. So like my impression, so we went, I Emma invited me to, she was doing takeovers, right? Was that, okay, so I was trying to get to the takeover thing, but we kind of, I was trying to segue into that, but the takeovers were ha- happening after you stopped being able to buy inventory, right? Yeah. Or were you doing that before? Well, you- probably a mix of both. I don't remember the timeline exactly, but for everyone listening, takeovers are when you go to someone else's Lula room, as they're called, and you go live on Facebook to sell to your group um, in their Lula room. So this was a good way because you would only purchase from that consultant wholesale what sold. So you could go and make profit without having to buy any inventory. So this was a huge, huge thing that was pushed in the LuLaRoe world. It like took over by storm. I When we traveled out of state, I did some out of state to like make money while we were on vacation. So I did these often. Um, I have a question, which it, this is reminding me. Um, it was, I, when you go, like, let's say you want to go buy merchandise. Is there quotas? Can you just go buy like two t-shirts or do you have to buy a package? Uh, that's a really good question. So when I started, the minimum order was 30 pieces. And oh, so now, important. And now it's 15. So if you're buying the cheapest wholesale item, you could get an order because there are some things that are like $10. So you could place maybe around a $160 order. But when I started, the minimum order on average was around $380. So it was, it took a lot of money to be able to order again. And then when you reordered, can you, you can pick what, combination and sizes or what were you allowed to yeah so anything that's in stock so we would log into our back office and then whatever is in stock you can order okay so you could say i want one perfect tee and i want three irma's size large and i want the rest leggings yep or whatever leggings also counted as half an item so Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my so bad. You would have to order <sighs> 60 leggings. But it's actually before. a full item, LuLaRoe. It's not half of an item. It's and it costs, as much, it costs as much wholesale as <laughs> the other items. So it was to buy leggings was actually a pretty, it was a larger investment than like some of the teas and things like that. So that's why I didn't Ugh. buy leggings a lot is because it was quite expensive. I would get them as like add-on items if I was already placing a 15-piece order. 
I would like throw on 10 pairs of whatever. Okay. So, okay. There's my question. So we, so you would do Facebook lives to try to combat the whole, I can't afford to buy anything, but the stuff yeah. that's already in my, in my storage is not selling, but I need new items to make money. So I'm just going to keep this in storage and I'm going to go to people's houses that have the same problem as me. And I'm going to try to sell their stuff to get new eyes on it to see if I can sell it kind of idea. Yep, exactly. Or like I can't order to fill my sizes and a lot of my customers, cause like my customers would like buy me out of certain sizes. So then I wouldn't have anything for my best customers and I couldn't order again because I needed to use that money to pay bills. So I would have to go do takeovers to be able to get them their sizes to like find the things that my customers wanted to buy. Wow. And then by the way, also, this is also a huge risk because LuLaRoe and I'm not saying my customers, but if you're finding new customers when you're at takeovers, uh, a lot of times people don't pay. Like a lot of times people go on these Facebook lives just to claim to like fuck shit up, I guess. Or I don't know. They're like, oh my gosh, that's cute. And then, like, yeah. you go and buy it in, like, a normal store if you, like, make a mistake and you're like, oh, I really needed gas instead of that shirt. Like, I'm just going to take the shirt back and then I'll have that 10 bucks in my pocket. Right. But yeah. In this so case. They're, yeah. So, people are, like, over shopping and then just not paying their invoice. So, like, I would have to pay for their stuff. And it was, like, specialized stuff that they picked out that I wouldn't normally have in my inventory. So then they wouldn't pay and I would be stuck with the stuff. So I would a lot of times lose money at takeovers. Oh, so that didn't even, Oh, yikes. Yeah. So plus, <sighs> plus I was driving up to an hour to an hour and a half to these places. So that's a lot of gas money and gas was expensive at the time. Wow. That yeah. Sounds... yeah. So, okay. yeah. Yikes. <laughs> so, so we were at a takeover. Francine met me at a takeover Yes, and this lady, bless her heart, had LuLaRoe coming out of her front door. Like, she had, how many pieces do you think she had? I think she had maybe around 1,500, which is a pretty good size. Because she had a whole room. She had a whole room, like, dedicated to, like, filming. And then she had in her closet, or in her hallway, she had racks of clothing lining the hallway. Then she had unopened boxes that while we were there, she was like, I don't even know what this is. And, like, she wanted to open it. And it was, she was like, oh, my gosh, this is Disney. I forgot I bought two boxes of Disney because it was selling so well. Like, this lady had LuLaRoe from everywhere. Yeah, it really was everywhere. And she um, she was, like, she cruise qualified, right? Didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> she does. Yeah, she does. So she I was think- making money. Or, I mean, I don't know if she was making money because from the looks of how much stuff she had that she literally told us, I can't sell all this. I want to get rid of it. I'm trying to get rid of it. I'm discounting it at really low prices. And she even told you, if I could give you any advice, don't keep buying stuff. You don't need to have a huge inventory. Yeah. I, it was, the takeovers got really popular at a, at a time when retailers, because the trend in the beginning was to order as much inventory as possible because in the beginning your upline made money off of your wholesale orders so that was when it got really nasty when people were like you know suggesting that 
they sell their breast milk to order inventory. <laughs> oh my gosh. So then they got sued because that is a pyramid scheme. And then <laughs> um, they changed the bonus structure, which pissed off a bunch of sponsors because they got a huge pay cut. So that also prompted people to make sure that they were training people that it wasn't about buying inventory. So like you had all of these consultants who were just trained to went to buy 10, 10 deep is what the term is. So like every style that you carried, they said that you should be, you should have 10 in every size. And how many styles are there? Uh, I don't even know. Like, I mean, there's like fucking 30 styles, 50. There's a ton of styles. And there's like six sizes. Yeah, six to eight. Six to eight. It just depends. Like some things come in extra small to 3X and some are only, some are extra, extra small. So So, times 10. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like, so not everyone carries every style, you know, but, but yeah, they wanted you to be 10 deep. So the, Everyone would have, I mean, like 2,000, 4,000, I mean, so much inventory. And so then takeovers got really popular and people were trying to downsize their inventory. So they would just have anyone over to go live to sell as much as possible because they wanted to get down to like the new average, I think is around like five to 700 is like what people aim for because there's so many new prints. Like you basically have to have a hot new stuff in order to be able to sell stuff. And I'm talking like within a month, within a month, people are discounting styles because LuLaRoe pushes out so many new styles to keep making more money off the consultants. Like these launches consultants take off like an entire day because the anxiety is so bad over whether or not you will get a new launch. So like they are pushing so much inventory on us still, but like in a different way, people are just not encouraged to hold on to it. They're encouraged to wholesale it off. LuLaRoe's encouraging them to wholesale it off? Well, there's like a bunch of groups that popped up and it became the popular trend. So like if I got a box in and I showed it to my customers in like five different ways like say I went live did an album sale did wall drops did a email blast oh, fuck I can't even think of one another another one but like whatever if I did that and didn't sell the item then I would post it in a wholesale group for other consultants to buy either for their group or for themselves or whatever so the wholesale market within the LuLaRoe community is, is hot. So not only are consultants buying a lot of stuff from LuLaRoe, they're buying a lot of wholesale items from other consultants because that way you can pick the prints. So a lot of consultants will, they don't order from LuLaRoe anymore. They only shop wholesale groups so that they can curate what their items for their customers. I'm hearing all this and it's making me really upset because it's like you guys have to be so creative on how you can outsmart the company because their model is so crappy. 
Exactly. You're like, this, the way this setup isn't working. So we had to do, invent this whole new system called takeovers because we're just getting screwed. We can't sell our products. So we had to do this whole other thing that we invented so that, you know, it's just like you guys are oh. having to come up with models to fix their own business and they don't care because they're just like, well, you bought our inventory. Like, yep. it doesn't matter. You bought it. They're just like, they, they literally host trainings that we have to pay for to attend to show us other ideas from other retailers who are successful. And this is another big problem that I have that I've also heard from some of the anti-MLM YouTube videos that I've been watching that happens in other companies. But I am very convinced that Mark and Deanne pick people to like, advance in the company and get popular because you will like all of a sudden see trainings from someone and they're like the hot new retailer that everyone wants to watch their trainings and do what they're doing and then they get really popular and and start to go on all of the overseas trips with the company and I just it, I know I know for sure, and there's been rumors about this for a long time, but I'm pretty convinced that, like, some people are groomed, sort of, to be, like, the next batch of retailer demigods or whatever. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Ew. Yeah, gross. Ugh. So... <laughs> Okay, so then you're trying all these new schemes to try to stay afloat. Yep. And then, like, you said you, you basically, you're just watching your Facebook because you can't really participate because you can't buy anything. You can't, you don't have the gas money to go drive over there or to pay the consultant when you buy her merchandise. Right. So, so at that point, I had gotten into these wholesale groups. Because there's like a niche of these wholesale groups. God, this is so fucking ridiculous. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so there are these groups where you can take... Uh, God, it's so hard to describe. So it's basically like a communal online takeover. So like someone will post a picture of a piece of inventory... And any consultant who's in that group can take that picture and post it to their customers. And whoever gets back to it first with a sold comment gets to take it. But you have to have sold it to a customer. You can't just buy it for yourself. So what happens if you like, if your if you have a customer and they're like, oh, I like that sold. Then you go back to them and they're like, oh, somebody claimed it before you. So then you go back to your customer and you say, oh, sorry, it actually sold. Yep. Or you could desperately try to hunt for it on all the other wholesale pages to try and fulfill that sale. Wow. Yeah. And what's fucked about this is that it was so time sensitive that like, it just was like a, a den of anxiety. Like, I don't know how anyone can live a normal life and use that system like because you have to be at your phone 
all the time. Uh, there's so many unhappy customers using that model because there's so many things that get sold within like minutes. Like if you have a hot piece, it, I mean, forget about it. It's like the models of you guys, the business models you guys are trying to perfect are getting like more desperate and more desperate and more desperate. Yeah. And it's just like, it really was like, I mean, I, I was so addicted to my phone because I was always checking for these notifications. And it's funny because one of the trainers in LuLaRoe that I really, really loved and looked up to, like talked about turning off your notifications and that was how she like you know sold 85,000 a month is like she turned off her notifications and she had more time in her day so she actually was the one that I was like okay I'm gonna try turning off my notifications and like that actually really fucking helped me but like because I was addicted to them yeah but yeah so yeah it's just a whole fucked up system that's not meant for anyone to succeed and it's just like as I was doing this more and more I was like I realized it wasn't sustainable but it was the only thing I had so I like kept going for a little while and then it was just like at one point I was just like I can't do this I took a couple months off I think of social media where I just like really didn't do anything in my group and then I thought I had like fucking cracked the algorithm and was finally going to do it. And this was like back in October or November maybe. And I like tried one more time to get my group going and like start to get some sales. Cause at the time I was still like, okay, I'm taking time off for my mental health. And like, I know that I need to distance myself, but I was still planning on selling the road to, pay off my debt and you know make all my dreams come true and then but something was holding me back from doing that so like I started for like one or two more days and then I immediately quit and since then I was like coming to terms with the fact that I had to like leave and then finally announced it like some within the last month or whatever that I was officially leaving but I've been done with it for a long time it was just I mean there were a lot of things that I had to work on with like coming to terms with like the shame and the guilt and like realizing that it wasn't my fault so like I've been doing a lot of work on myself like a lot and you know it's paid off but it just I was a wreck like I just I was such it just everything just did such a number on my mental health that like I really have put in a lot of time trying to like rebuild myself and get to a point where I am now so you know it's just for anyone who is leaving or is still in it or whatever it is you know like you're gonna feel like it's never gonna get better or that you're lost or that you made a big mistake and you're too embarrassed to talk up about it but like it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And guilt and shame are like things that I've been trying to work on personally. And so like, it just happened at the right time where like kind of all of my healing was kind of like forced into this place. I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Just, like, really um, sad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is. And, like, I think I've thought about this because, you know, I really hate, one of the things I really hate is cliches and how, like, often they're used to, like, get you to do things, you know, like, the work hard and all that crap that we were talking about before it's just like cliches are so dumb but like I fucking forgot where I was going with this <laughs> well, what was the cliche I don't know what when I was thinking of um oh oh so like I hate to say I really hate it that like everything happens for a reason because I don't believe that but like I don't regret my decision because I, the whole time that I was in LuLaRoe, you know, they teach you in these companies to find your why, because things, they tell, they tell you straight up, things are going to get hard. Doing this is not easy. It's going to fucking suck. And you need to find something like within yourself to like, keep you going during those dark times. Like they tell you all this, like, it's going to be hard. You're going to suck you know, and you need to figure it out within yourself. So this whole time within this company, I was trying to do that. I was trying to find my voice and I was thinking, well, I must not be successful because I'm not, I haven't found my voice. The people aren't connecting with me because I'm not being authentic, which in a weird fucking twisted way, I guess is true. But like, I feel like I finally found my voice through all of this terrible shit so like while I wish it never happened to me and like whatever I do feel like we're you know we were talking about the little like synchronicities that have been happening outside of the podcast you know Mm -hmm. like I just really feel like I'm in this place for a reason and like MLMs are trash don't join them don't do it but like I don't necessarily regret it because it led me to where I am. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. And I'm still working through it. I'm not perfect. I'm not like the fucking voice of this movement. Like I don't, I'm not trying to like pretend to be anybody. I just, you know, I just really enjoy talking to you about this. (laughs) I want to do it all the time. (laughs) Yes. I love hearing your story because I, it's interesting to see like what I see from it and and then hearing how it really was or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's been really interesting for me too to like hear your perspective, you know, because like we, we didn't talk a lot, but like we were still in communication throughout all this time, you know, but it was just like when you're in a cult, I think you just don't really try and explain it to other people because you know, other people won't get it. Yes. It's just, I don't know. It's so fucking twisted. I'm, I'm going to read, hold on a second. I forgot. So we got talking so much. I want to make sure that I read Dave's questions. I was literally just going to say that. What about the questions? Okay. So so I'm going to read his questions and then you tell me if you think we answered them. Cause I think we might have gone through them. Okay. So Dave Vaughn said, how many people were you directly in contact with on your team? Was there anyone selling a large amount in retail sales? 
If so, what do you believe was the reason for this, given the less than ideal pattern arrangements? So, um, I mean, I was, because I lived in an area where there was a lot of saturation and there were a ton of retailers because we were close to home office, I definitely was in contact with a lot of people. I went to two conventions. I went to trainings all the time. Um, I didn't have a downline, which we covered, but, um, so how many people were in your upline, you know, like, did you meet them and do they have titles? Um, yeah, I mean, I've met my mentor, I've met Mark and Deanne, like in person, you know, it's just how many people are in your, like, how many people did your mentor, um, uh, have like under her umbrella on the the Facebook group that we're in? I think there's like 4,000 people. So she recruited 4,000 people or didn't you get recruited by a coworker? So, okay. So this is like that weird family tree thing that you were talking about before. So my like direct team, hold on, let me look. So my like direct team with my coach Oh, gosh, I'm on the wrong Facebook profile. It's smaller. So, like, you you join, when you sign up, you're technically in, I don't know, like, a shit ton of teams. Like, you have a coach, you have a trainer, you've got, you could have multiple coaches, and then everything's under a mentor who, there's, like, maybe seven or eight mentors. I don't know what the current stats are, so... So like my mentor, that 4,000 people under her, there's like, she didn't recruit those 4,000 people, but all of the coaches and trainers and whatever under her did. And she's making commission off of them? Yes. A lot, probably. Hmm. She, I mean, she's one of like the closest to Deanne and Mark. Okay. So, um, and I think we yeah. touched on like, like did someone sell a lot? Um, and it's really hard. I think what we got from that is it's really hard to um, figure out how much they actually made because yeah, that's we know yeah. we can tell you how much they bought it for, but does that mean that they sold it for just to get it out of their warehouse? Did they make a profit on it? Was it discounted? Was it you know a giveaway? Right. So really, it's really hard to say. And be- right. Yeah, and because LuLaRoe doesn't put out an ind- income disclosure statement, and, like, I, there are, there are some groups, like, where you can learn finance tips and stuff, but, like, I'm going to say the majority of retailers probably don't keep good track of what their actual profit is, because the numbers aren't going to be there, because we're talking about, like, giveaways shipping costs a lot of retailers do discounted or free shipping discounting items which is like a huge huge thing which is against lularo policy but people do it anyways um yeah there's just so many costs that are associated with it you know printing labels packing supplies just it goes on and on facebook ads yeah yeah So yeah, when, yeah, I mean, people had big retail sales for sure. I mean, they tout them across the stage, you know, there are people who are selling a hundred thousand a month 
or more. And they at convention, they have, you know, like, have everyone walk on stage for all the different tiers. There's like a 2,500 tier, a 5,000 tier, a 10K tier, a 15K tier. And like, you go to convention and you see all these people on stage who are selling at these numbers and you're like, holy fuck. I mean, it's possible, right? But you don't, you don't know what they're spending to get those sales. And how much they're wasting. Yeah. So it just really, I mean, but you just want that title. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you were cruise qualifying, did you even, you weren't trying to sell it to like put money in your pocket. You were just trying to get on the cruise. I mean, my thought was that if I was selling 12,000 a month, that means I would, I would be taking home 6,000 a month. I mean, I literally didn't break it down. And think about, and that's not even talking about taxes and how much you would owe. That's not even accounting, putting aside tax money. So, I mean, when you get down to, and, and you need to buy more inventory. So like, I think I, I can't remember, but there's like spreadsheets that you could do to set up so you can make sure that you're tracking it all correctly. And I think that maybe like, 10 to 15 percent of your total sales are what they recommend to like keep for profit Hmm. and the rest is like shipping costs taxes um new inventory things like that Hmm. so you said that you had some interesting numbers um yeah so i looked at my sales um and i just thought that it was just kind of interesting so my sales in 2017 were around 8,000. So that was that was for July when I launched. So like July through December. So half the year. Okay, so you made $8,000 um, half the year. Yep, and then That's not it profit, says what you claim to sell. Yeah, those were my retail sales. So it says oh. that my net profit was 5200 about for the year yeah for those six okay. months for six months so you made 5200 that's what you should have profited if you didn't have any other expenses for half right. a year okay. right but i'm pretty sure based off of the numbers that i have here that that does not include my onboarding package which I spent $5,000 on so because it says that my wholesale purchases were around like 2700 so obviously that doesn't include my onboarding package so so you spent $5,000 on the first wait a minute (laughs) yeah so basically I made if you're just going without the expenses that I paid, like I basically broke even in my first six months. Okay. Right. Cause it's around 5,000. Yeah. So you bought in for 5,000. Well, I think you would be less cause you bought in for 5,000. It's saying, Oh yeah. Because I still spent 2,700 more on wholesale. Yeah. So you spent about in that time. Uh, well, I know that's confusing. No, because, okay. So my net profit for the 
for the last six months was 5,200. But those numbers, so all those numbers, they just don't include the 5,000 I spent to buy in. So, but they do include all the other wholesale purchases I made. You know what I mean? They just don't account for like taxes or like my net profit was 5,200. But that doesn't count. That doesn't count your 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 buy-in price. Right. So I pretty much broke even. So you made about in two hundred dollars profit. Yeah. But in that you didn't. But that's not like the cost of the whole business. So you you're under then. Right. Still under. Yeah. So you didn't yeah, break yeah. even. You you're in the hole. In the first yes. six months. Still okay. in the hole. Yeah. 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 So I mean, yes, definitely. I for sure was in the hole. Okay. So then. The next- and a lot of this, a lot of that, um, some of the purchases at that time also went on credit cards. So so you owed interest on them. <laughs> yeah, so technically they're still not paid off. So yeah, it's just, a, you know, you're right. I, I did not make any money. Let's keep that clear. Okay. So then the next year, do you have, do you have a yearly profit? Okay, I so do. what's the next? So that's what I thought was, that's what I thought um, was kind of interesting. So, okay, so for 2018, which is... The year that I did this mostly, starting in April of 2018 was when I did this full-time. My total retail sales for 2018 are around 42000 Wow. So it says that my net profits are 22000 for that whole year. And I spent around 20000 on wholesale. And I'm, I don't think that this is including takeovers and those swap groups that we talked about on Facebook. So this is only what I paid to move. So, so basically you bought 20, how much, how much did you buy from the warehouse? About 20,000. And then you profited 22,000. Yeah. So for the whole year you profited $2,000. Yep. And that's without expenses or taxes or anything else. And I, I, I. How did you live? I probably couldn't <laughs> tell you. I, I didn't. I, I can't. Like, how did you feed yourself? And like, like, that's crazy. That's $2,000 for a year. Well, 22000 for a year. I but mean, all of that went back into I was buying really- products. No, that the net profit is like the actual profit, not like that's including the money I spent on wholesale. Like the whole, like, oh, so they're subtracting the wholesale price from what you, what it, what it should have sold for or what you actually, what I, so so I sold 42000 I bought 20000 So that means I have a $22,000 profit. Oh. Supposedly. Like those numbers are all, that's where the math comes from. Oh, okay. Does that so make sense? So you actually made 22000 in the year? Yeah. Okay. Before, before other expenses like shipping and the part, the cost to be in the parties and things like that, those aren't included but like my wholesale purchases are not part of that okay so so basically you lived off of twenty two thousand for a year 
minus other expenses. So it was a lot yeah. less than. Yeah, I mean, that's that's above the poverty level, but not by much. So, you know, I was able to stay afloat, but not like I wasn't paying my non-essential bills. Like my my credit is crap. I'm not, you know, like I want to pay back all my credit. I'm not trying to like not pay them, but I just, I couldn't because I was chasing this dream. So like now my plan is to try and actually make some money so that I can pay off my debt. I don't, I, I want to be debt free and I don't want to use credit at all. Like that's my main goal. So I just had to, I, I couldn't, I couldn't pay it. I mean, I, you know, I'm not in good standing. So then is that your last year or do you have another year? Um, I have 2019, which was the year that I kind of like took time off for mental health and wasn't really in it, but was still trying to, and I couldn't buy inventory as much this year. So um, I, it says that my wholesale purchases in 2019 were around 7,000. So it went down from 20 to seven. And then my total sales for the year were 13. So it went from 42 to 13. And then it says my net profit is around 6,000 for the whole year of 2019. Hmm. So... Um, but yeah, but last year was when I started doing gig economy jobs. So my income was higher than that last year, but definitely still within poverty range because those jobs aren't great. But I, when I started working them, I felt such a sense of freedom because I was making money on my own. And it didn't matter how much it was, but because it was something that I had earned that I didn't have to pander to people on Facebook for. So like, I really found a lot of like meaning and healing, like within those jobs, because it was just something that I could do in my own time. I mean, one of the things that I think is good that came out of this is that even though when you work for multi-level marketing companies, you, you're not a business owner. Um, I do feel like I have an entrepreneurial spirit. So like, I don't, I like not having a boss and I like scheduling my time however I want. And so I'm trying to follow that right now while I don't have a job like a you know nine to five and that's I'm not saying that nine to five is bad I can definitely see why people like nine to five I'm not saying I will never get another nine nine to five or whatever job because you know I know I need money and like whatever but I'm trying to kind of like lean into the situation that I'm in and see what I can do with it right now since I'm kind of already at the bottom (laughs) you know what I mean like I really can't lose much more at this point and like I just want I do still believe in myself probably more than I ever did before so I'm just trying to kind of lean into that and you know hope it works and if not then I will join the ranks (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah so yeah so 
yeah, my, you know, sales tanked because I wasn't in it anymore. And I just refused to like chase that mm. sale. And here, and here we, we are. are. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure that people probably have a lot more questions about yes. things. But I think we got the gist of it, like the story. I feel. I think we did a good job of going through everything and kind of touching on some important things. Yeah. Did you have any other questions? Um, no, I think I got, I, I think I got all like the stuff I was like wondering about out. Okay. But I just want to thank you for like sharing that. <laughs> I know yeah, it's probably sure. not I mean like the easiest thing to talk about or to like keep, you know, going back into the that mindset of how you yeah. were. It is it's hard because I have come so far from where I was. So like but it's also I think good for me to look back and reflect on it because a lot of these things are things that I never asked myself because you're not you're taught not to ask questions so a lot of these things I'm thinking about and I'm like well fuck I don't know like did I like the clothes I don't fucking know like I I had never made a decision for myself I was just like well this is this is cute and that's what they're telling me so I'm good with that you know like that's how I lived my entire life (laughs) so like I don't know. I just, I was, I, I can't like, I just, I was the perfect vulnerable victim, you know? And I, you know, yeah. So yeah. So I guess you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I don't know. It feels good to talk about it. I am a huge proponent of sharing your story when you are ready because it can help so many people and I can totally understand why people wouldn't be ready because it's hard to admit that you got sucked into something like that. You know, you don't, you want to think that you're better or stronger than that. But for so many victims out there, that's the problem is that you're not any like worse. It's not your fault. And I just want people to know that it's, you're a victim. You're not, you're not at fault and you shouldn't have any shame or guilt. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's helping me work through it. And I hope that, um, I hope that it's helping other people. Okay. Yeah. So if you do, if you guys do have questions, you can email them to us or Instagram slide into our DMs (laughs) or whatever. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had anyone slide into my DMs, so that's pretty exciting. <laughs> oh, girl, you guys, we need to get someone to slide into Francine's DMs. She's the one on the Instagram, so if you guys are Instagram fans, go on and slide on in there. Um, but yeah, so we'll answer more questions on a future episode, and then our next episode will be a deep dive. Yeah, are we gonna do? Arbon? Um, is that what we decided? I don't know. I don't know if we had decided. There's there's so many. I I wanted to do someone on Twitter, and I don't remember who it was, but someone on Twitter said that they were excited for us to do the health companies. 
And then I was like, oh, we had done two makeup companies to start. And it's just, there's so much to touch on. And then someone else, um, we want to get into the financial companies and travel companies too. So yeah, I don't know. There's yeah, so much. It's, and it's also hard too, because you really, it's, there's not a lot of information out there, but I would love to talk about Herbalife because I almost got sucked into that one. God, it's kind of like bringing back how many times I've almost gotten like sucked into these different ones, but um, Herbalife and then Beach Bodies, I would love to talk about because that I got stalked by a Beach Body hun for a while. And also, another girl I know from high school was really getting up there in the Beach Body community. And then she just dropped off the face of the planet with like no explanation. Like, at one point, like, her uh, and her husband were going to build a house in, like, a really expensive area off of her income, so she claimed. And then now she's no longer with the company. And she probably feels so ashamed that she just is not on Facebook anymore. She doesn't want to have to explain. Well, she's still on Facebook, but there's, like, no mention of her. Oh. oh. And I know a couple out. people like that where yeah. it's like, wait, there's another, like, the 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 other beach body hun that was like stalking me consistently for like a really long time. Um, Oh my gosh. She's no, I can't find any mention of her doing it, but they don't mention like what happened, you know, and they don't tell their story or their struggle or, you know, it's so hard too. I'm finding because, because I was in it for so long and I'm sure that a lot of people have this experience too. Like my whole network now is other people who do, other MLMs so it's so hard to like do I just delete everyone off my Facebook or like do I post a post that's like hey guys I'm anti-MLM now so you can fuck <laughs> right off if you don't want to see my post like I, you know what I mean like I'm like secretly telling people like hey by the way like I'm not with Lularo it's you safe to talk right to me again <laughs> Yeah, like I will not harass you. Like it's hard into the fold. We can just be regular friends again. I'm sorry. (laughs) Right? It's like, hey, so I'm not brainwashed anymore. Can we be friends again? Yeah. So it's it is super awkward, and I'm still in the process of figuring it all out. So yeah, but I I'm really interested because I don't know much about Arbonne. Yeah, no, that's what I was excited to because I don't know much about Arbon or Monat. Uh, like, there's so many that, you know, so yeah, maybe we'll do a nutrition one next. I think it's my turn this time to do the deep dive homework. So, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. All right. Well, thank mm-hmm. you guys for listening. And we'll see you All soon. Right, bye. Bye.